This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 189. Nick Max and Noah Grant here in the den after a week off hiatus so to speak um there was a hiatus actually for both husky squads men and women respectively over the past two weeks it was staggered as such so we're back in action here actually recording on my birthday sunday december 3rd here uh show release maybe probably closer to tuesday on the 5th when folks are hearing this meaning the women will be in action against minnesota this upcoming week so um, a lot of really great hockey to talk about pretty much essentially uh, if you want to be technical about it, Big Ten foes in some senses, even though, of course, the women's side is still the WCHA for the time being. So, um, But some really good hockey that we got to discuss, and we're going to jump right into it. Center Ice View News and Notes presented by HuskiesIllustrated.com and The Soda Pot. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. In episode 189 here in the den, Nick Maxson, Noah Grant here to get you caught up on all things Huskies hockey, NCHC, WCHA. Nick, um, first of all, I, I guess before we jump into that, of course, you were gone on a little bit of a mini vacation, uh, among other things. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, of course, uh, I had Thanksgiving off last week. So uh, first of all, the safe travels, I'm hoping, uh, and everything going well. A little bit warmer, probably, where you were headed, although it's been unseasonably warm, I would say, this winter compared to others so far in the Midwest. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever you want to <laughs> say about that. Yeah, but I'm also not going to let you get away with the fact that you open up the show saying, hey, it's my birthday, and you're not going to get any crap for it. So uh, welcome to the club, bro, I meaning you're old as <laughs> hell. Yeah, well, well, one of us has a walker and it ain't me, so. <laughs> You're not that far away now anymore, so don't, you know, count your blessings there, Chief. No, um, happy birthday, though, honestly. Um, Thank you. Most special day, um, you know, 
hopefully you uh, have at least I know worked a little bit, but hopefully you're at least going to relax a little bit. Enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it won't be bad. It's I work tonight and tomorrow. And then by the time the show comes out, I actually am off for 12 of the following 15. So it's actually not too bad. We're almost there. And, you know, the, I think the thing that's most exciting, of course, is, I mean, like you said, I'm going to work tonight, but um, actually all my coworkers found out and they're all bringing food and cake and stuff like that. So that's always exciting, you know, you, to feel a little bit appreciated, I, you know, I think in that moment. So, I mean, I didn't get a cake from you, so I don't know what to say about that. So it's in the mail. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> here's, I think here's the big question. Excuse me. My voice is a little rusty coming uh, back from a very early flight from the East coast this morning. Um, up in Minot, there's got to be great steakhouse choices like what Pizza Ranch and Applebee's for to, to celebrate your birthday dinner. So you know, it's actually it's actually the gal pals taking me out to Longhorn, which is I'm pretty excited about that. Um, That's a Darden concept too. For those who don't know, Darden is the same company that does Olive Garden and Bahama Bahama Breeze. A couple other little neat concepts. You used to actually have Red Lobster in that brand too, but I, I was told Olive Garden from somebody that works with us. They said it's a very Midwestern thing. I I, I don't. I don't know how true that is, but it's not <clears throat> no Olive Garden is a it's a national concept. Um, I think what they probably meant was is that in certain parts of the country, like anything else, um, let's just say maybe some concepts are more frequented in other regions and others. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Well, speaking of a quote unquote national concept, by the way, why don't we talk about women's hockey? Of course, past two weeks here, um, you know, the Huskies were off over Thanksgiving break and then back in action against Ohio State. And uh, yeah, remember when we said this team, you know, had a chance to make a statement against some of the big dogs this season? Well, we'll get to that. Um, First of all, going all the way back to the holiday break, Friday, November 4th through Sunday, November 26th, uh, Minnesota ended up beating Harvard on Friday, St. Thomas subsequently lost to them on Saturday. So a bit of some holiday tournaments going on here. Ohio State beating St. Lawrence 11-0 and then 5-1 Friday, Saturday, respectively. Minnesota Duluth beating Colgate the first night 3-0 and then tying 1-1. That Colgate team is not half bad coming from the East Coast this season. Minnesota beating Cornell the first night 5-1. Cornell beats St. Thomas actually the night before, I should say four to one. So a lot of it's kind of hard to recap a lot of the scores. I feel like sometimes for the holiday uh, weekend, and then the only other team that was in action was Saturday, Sunday, Mankato winning both of their games five one and seven two against Robert Morris and BU. Um, that one was in Tennessee, so congrats to them. The Smashville Showcase they pretty much were the were the best team in that one. Uh, moving on to this upcoming weekend, Nick, uh, Mankato continued to roll a little bit. 7-1 and 3-1 were the victories for them against the St. Thomas squad that just has not been on the right side of hockey games so far. And Mankato is starting to heat up a little bit. I feel like this is a team that is starting to kind of find their footing a little bit. I'm not saying they're a great hockey team. I'm not going to go that far yet. And I think it's it's safe to say that they're still a stretch away from, you know, them Bemidji, St. Thomas are still a stretch away from the other five teams on WCHA, but they're not a team to be discounted right now. They're they're a group that's a bit more of a challenge, I think, uh, to handle. And of course, that is WCHA hockey, but there is some sort of a, a parity discrepancy right now between some of the teams. And, you know, if you're a Huskies fan, it, there's three teams mentioned in that grouping that aren't on par with the other five most nights. The Huskies are not one of them anymore, and I think that's really exciting. So we'll get to them in a second. Uh, the Gophers winning both of their games against Bemidji State combined aggregate score 18-3 to on the weekend. Uh, you know, 
pretty much was yeah. what it was. Uh, Wisconsin beating Duluth uh, three to nothing on Saturday, and they play actually they played at three o'clock today. So I wonder if we can try to rustle up some uh, stats real quick on that one. Let me see if I can pull up sidearm and. I would imagine that game would be somewhat close, uh, just kind of yeah. judge, judging by, you know, the games that they played. It was actually 3-2 Duluth. Duluth, I think, ended up winning this hockey game. Um, from what I can see, yeah, 3-2 was the final score. So uh, the Bulldogs get one back. Like I said, this is a team that is really feisty uh, in the WCHA. So something to kind of keep an eye on here, Nick. So the standings are going to update accordingly. We'll get to those in a second. But I think the big story, despite losing 6-2 on Saturday, St. Cloud State beat arguably a top-two team in the country on Friday. 2-1 was the final score. The Huskies do beat Ohio State, despite the fact that they were outshot 47-17 in this one um, and only won 18 faceoffs and lost 43. There is no doubt about it. This Ohio State team is good. But we talked about how special teams has been a bolster to this women's program this season. They've looked good on both sides of it. Perfect three for three on the penalty kill on Friday night, two for three on the power play. They were actually down one nothing after the first. McKenna Webster scoring for Ohio State in four-on-four four action. But CeCe Bowlby and Greta Henderson with her first on the yeah. power play at the 940 and 1537 mark of the middle frame. Katie Kaufman, Clara Himmerova, Laura Zimmerman, Taylor Larson, all had assists there, and Sonia Hola stopped 46 of 47 for the Huskies to get some crucial, crucial points in the WCHA and really bolster their stock heading into the rest of the season. Nick, this in front of a crowd of just under 500 at OSU Ice Arena, I mean, we talked about some of the progress the Huskies have made last year, that big game they win one nothing against the Badgers at, you know, at the Cole Center in front of just under 15,000. I mean, this is a big deal. This Ohio State team took care of business against an unbeaten Badger squad a couple of weekends ago. The yep. Huskies take points away from them. Uh, what a great building block despite, you know, we'll talk about Saturday's game, but I mean, you improved to 12 and 4 after that Friday game against one of the best opponents in the country. You got to feel good about that. You have to and <clears throat> of course when I of course my time to talk is where all the rust comes in. Um <laughs> But, you know, you, when you talk about a program that is, you know, trying to get back to, shall we say, WCHA relevance, you have to be able to find ways, albeit the stats are not fantastic. I think Brian Idolsky would be the first one to say, hey, getting outshot by that margin is not great. Uh, but he would lament and say, hey, PK was great. Your goaltending held you in the contest and you were opportunistic on your um, opportunities in the power play, right? So at the end of it, sometimes ugly hockey can sometimes conceal you a game. I think Idolski would also would probably admit that that was not a game that he probably felt like they earned maybe stole. Uh, but at the end of the day, these are the contests that propel you to get some confidence further down the road, because as we know in this league and in this conference, no, it doesn't get any easier down the stretch, especially after the holiday break. Um, Huskies, even with, I believe, the Duluth points today, would still technically hold the tiebreaker because of games. Right. Um, but 
they have a, a very busy week coming up. So uh, for St. Cloud, uh, again, we'll talk more in depth on Saturday. And obviously, OSU made some adjustments, but I think St. Cloud has to feel good, like you mentioned, to take at least one of two from the best team in the WCHA right now. That is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, but definitely, certainly some learning opportunities as well, as we'll talk on Saturday's game where they took the split. Well, think about this. I mean, you know, 11 and 1 in WCHA play 14 and 2. They're one of only two teams in the season and only one in conference to beat Ohio State this season. You know, only 19 goals given up in conference play, 25 overall for the Buckeyes and St. Cloud gets the job done. I mean, that's it's an impressive showing. As you mentioned, you are exactly correct. St. Cloud does occupy the four spot at 21 points. Duluth would now move to 20 points on the season. So they're right neck and neck with the Huskies. Ohio State is atop the heap with 31 points. You talk about how big that Bulldogs victory is for tightening things up, by the way. Wisconsin would have liked that victory. They trail Minnesota, although tied on points, both at 28. That would have put them one point shy of the Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. In terms, in terms of uh, a victory that would have gotten them right there, so uh, things certainly kind of heating up in the WCHA. It's been a very weird kind of, kind of ebb and flow where it's like we feel like we're going to get some of the separation, and then bam, you get a couple of weekends where all these teams are taking points from each other, and then the top five are really kind of close. Uh, Duluth, like we mentioned, will now creep into 20 point territory so they'll round out the top five and then Mankato with their victories at nine points uh, in relatively good possession of sixth right now Bemidji State their lone victory has them with three points and poor St. Thomas uh, unfortunately no wins in 12 tries in the WCHA and it hasn't been for lack of trying a lot of their losses have been one two goal losses I mean they've been in hockey games um, and it's just it's really been tough sledding for them. Speaking of tough sledding, well, the Buckeyes did what the Buckeyes do. They responded very well. Shot margins about the same, 43-16 on that second night. Attendance of just under 700. Uh, both teams one for three on the power play, which I, I still think if you look at special teams, if you're the Huskies, you have to feel good about where you were at over the course of the weekend. Uh, you were once again uh, 22 for 55 in the faceoff dot. So again, very good hockey team doing well uh, in terms of face-off groupings it was actually 1-1 after the first Kayla Barnes gets on the board for Ohio State Laura Zimmerman responds for the Huskies her third of the season from Maddie Peterson and Taylor Larson at the 13-25 mark but then it was all Ohio State in the middle frame four goals for them uh, in the span of just over uh, or just under I would say 10 minutes Uh, and suddenly this game was wide open Joy Dunn adds a third Halfway through period number three, and Taylor Lind uh, tacks on uh, essentially a goal in garbage time, so to speak, for the Huskies. Her second of the season on the power play would be nice to, you know, I know she's battled some injury stuff, but get her rolling again, too. She scores on the man advantage. Katie Kaufman, Clara Hemlerova, more assists on the weekend. A very good weekend for both of them. JoJo Choback stopping uh, 37 uh, of the total 43 that she saw, which is, again, no slouch against a good Ohio State team that certainly found a way to adjust, like you mentioned in the second night, Nick. But, you know, as you kind of pull out of, you know, the positives for this weekend, this team improves to 12-5 and five over the course of the weekend, 7-4 and four in WCHA play. Uh, they face a gopher squad coming up at 6 o'clock Central this Tuesday, yep. and then they're also at home against Duluth to round out their first half of the season. Then it's holiday break time, uh, 6 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Central, Friday, Saturday, respectively, if you're looking to go to either of those games in the Granite City. But, Nick, I mean, if you want to be technical, 
The worst the Huskies can finish after this week would be 12 and 8 on the season and exactly 507 and 7 in WCHA play, um, which, you know, I, I think would kind of overshadow what has already been a very good first half. If that were the case, I think you'd like to see the Huskies take at least one, if not two or three, you know, this upcoming week. They have the ability to do that. They showed that last Friday. But we talked about the growth of this program. Um, very pivotal games coming up against Duluth, which we'll get to, but I, I, it's been mighty impressive. We thought we were going to see maybe the breakthrough a little bit against Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. We had to wait a holiday and change for it, but what a showing on Friday night against Ohio State in a game that you were probably outshot, a little outplayed, you know, if we're being honest. But those are the games that you have to win come playoff time. It doesn't matter how you do it. You have to find a way. Great goaltending performance, and overall, if you're the Huskies, uh, a pretty good building block heading into the month of December. Then you mentioned what's coming up, um, albeit all three of those games this week coming up. Um, and you talk about how big of a game that was today for Duluth. Yeah. How about it is for Minnesota, too, coming up now on Tuesday. If the Huskies win on Tuesday, imagine yeah. how close those standings could get. And it's in cloud you can't count them out now. Takes two away from UMD. Now, granted, the history between these two squads have favored the Bulldogs as of recent history. But if you find a way to take them both, you've catapulted yourself into a potential top three position. If not, at the very worst, you're cementing yourself in a top four position, which was something that you and I had talked about during the preseason, knowing that this was sort of a, a goal that you know would be nice for them to achieve, to sort of get into that spot, have a home ice position for the WCHA conference playoffs. If you are in that spot, four or five, um, I think we can comfortably say they're going to be in one of those two positions come holiday break. Um, I think you're happy with the first half. No, granted, you want a little bit more, obviously, but I think where the Huskies are at and the opportunity that presents itself this week, I think you have to be happy with what you have and, and what you have accomplished so far. Um, but you do now with the short turnaround, um, you hope they take some lessons learned from this Ohio State team. Because if there's one thing that we have noticed, right, is that the Huskies, and this is true against Wisconsin, this is true against uh, Ohio State. We've seen this is where Friday, they find a way to slow things down, they find a way to really sort of take a chokehold on the offense of these really predominantly great scoring teams and they find a way to maybe sneak time sneak out a win half the time then on saturday these teams adjust they find ways to open things up and then the scores unfortunately go the other way of the opponent so i do wonder what's next in that building block for idolski squad i think we might have a good look into what adjustments they might make against minnesota here coming up in just about 48 hours yeah absolutely and uh, actually looking at the standings it's actually Duluth will have 21 points I thought that one was in overtime it wasn't regulation so um, they'll be neck and neck with the Huskies entering the week Minnesota Wisconsin deadlocked at 28 so I mean if you want to be theoretical St. Cloud has a really great week they could actually vault into second place if Wisconsin somehow didn't win their games this weekend I think but um, you know yep. they could at least get into third place like you mentioned subsequently the Gophers could pull away from them even more, and Duluth could have, you know, what would be a six-point spread Correct. heading into the holiday week. There's a, there's a lot of things. Um, you know, the Gophers game is going to be what it's going to be. I think that that team is very beatable down, you know, in Minnesota. Of course, they're coming up to the Granite City this upcoming week. 
that Bulldogs team is beatable too. But I think when you look at that series, you would like to be at least 500. You know, if you can take care of business on Friday, I think you feel a lot better about the weekend knowing that the worst you're going to be is deadlock neck and neck with them likely, unless there's some overtime finishes there. So there's a lot of opportunity uh, for the Huskies this weekend. I think if you're Brian Idolsky and company, you have to relish that. I know it's a tough week. You come back from Ohio State, you turn right around, you're playing against the Gophers, and then you're playing Duluth, three really great opponents. This will certainly be an interesting test for them. On top of that, though, I mean, you've got three games, and then it's the holiday break. You've got to kind of empty the tank a little bit here. You've got an opportunity to to do that, uh, you know, and uh, then you're you know, you have a somewhat favorable schedule coming out of the holiday break, Mankato and St. Thomas to start off before Ohio State at the end of the month of January. But um, there's opportunity here. The players that we've expected to lead have led Clara Himmler over paces the group 14 points on the season. Katie Kaufman, impressive year for her so far, 12 points on the year. Alice Surreal, CeCe Bowlby, Ella Onik, Emma Gentry round out your nine and eight point scores respectively. But I think the, the thing that's interesting, Nick, I mean, you go down into, um, you know, you've got obviously the goaltenders are are the three that are listed, uh, and uh, Jaden Britt, who's only played three hockey games, but everybody else has been a somewhat consistent mainstay in this lineup. Only the bottom three um, have less than three points. You know, and, and, you know, one of them, of course, is a defenseman. One is a freshman. And Greta Henderson, with only two points on the season, picked a very great time for her first uh, yeah. as a Husky. Um, so I, I, when you look at the scoring spread of this group, I think that's, for me, that's something that's most encouraging is that you've got a group that, you know, you've got production up and down the lineup. And we say that all the time. It almost sounds, you know, cliche, rhetorical, whatever you want to make it. But when you're looking at the middle of this grouping and you've got players seven, 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 six, six, four, four, four points, like everybody's contributing up and down the lineup. Uh, does that not speak to Brian Idolsky's and Janelle Sergey's kind of message and plan is that, you know, we're not going to be a team that's going to have seven grade A talents that are going to come in you know, every line's going to have a, a superstar standout, so to speak, that can take a hockey game on its head, like your Ohio States, like your Wisconsin's. It is truly win by committee. And this team is, let's not sugarcoat it, they're a deep hockey team compared to where they've been and, and where they're going. Yeah. And I think if Idolsky was an honest man, right, he would say that, you know, in terms of attracting that elite talent, it's it's a tough go. Um, just because you have the perennial programs, like you mentioned before, um, that just have the resources slash the, you know, shall I say that the name brand, if you want to call it to, uh, to attract those names. In fact, um, Idolsky had mentioned uh, before the season that with their success last year, he thought that there would maybe be some heads that have turned, maybe just some, shall we say, uh, prospective students. And it, it wasn't quite, as shall we say at the exclamation point that he thought it was going to be. Um, but with that being said, you've, you hit it on the head. Idolsky knows that he has to win by rolling four lines. He, I mean, we've watched this team for a number of years and we, and we've lamented when we've had a good first line and then an injury takes place. And then all of a sudden we're looking for, Hey, where's the scoring going to come from? Right. Uh, this team has depth. It has ability. It has, and it's playing a style of play that is 
um, shall we say, neck and neck with these other schools, right? So their identity is different. Their makeup is different. Their style of play is different. Um, the chances of this team making an impact, not only now in the regular season, but in the postseason is different. And that's a great thing. But as we come into this very heavy short week, again, two games the last two days, you get essentially today and tomorrow, and then it's game prep again. You get two days, and then it's another two games. You do get a break, like you mentioned, but you know this is the test. This yep. is the test for this squad. Can they prove that this is a team that can handle whatever adversity I'll be at the schedule? And can they take on these top opponents that they've, for the golfers, they've seen already? So what lessons have they learned from the last time I saw them about a month ago? And two, can they, at least for the standings wise, can they take on a Minnesota Duluth squad that is maybe very close? And can they take care of business against a squad that maybe they feel like they can? So it's going to be a very telling week for this Husky squad to know just where they think they're headed and where they think their game is at. Because after this weekend, there's going to be about four weeks of rest and good sort of re you know recap before the second half gauntlet gets underway. So I'm excited to watch it, but as you mentioned, this team is built to do more damage than we've seen in years past. We've already seen snippets of it. The question is, can we start now, you know, kind of linking it up together weekend and week out? Yeah, and you talk about, you know, what lessons have they learned from the Gophers? The only team to beat them in a one-goal contest this season. Huskies have been on the right side the other three times they played. As you mentioned, if you take Ohio State into account, the Huskies playing uh, pairwise-wise, the number one, number two, and number six team in the country on the women's side. Huskies vault to number eight in the pairwise. Uh, they are in an NCAA spot right now. Uh, they are. According to the grouping here. Of course, they entered the upcoming weekend in 10, according to the coaches' polls, and imagine that changes maybe slightly. Um, I would say maybe nine um, or eight is probably fair at this particular point. Yep. But again, we talked about it. Uh, obviously, a very pivotal week for this program. Uh, Sonia Hola continues to do her thing in net. She's played uh, eight contests, seven and one on the season, a .75 goals against the 966 Jojo Choback and 932 with a 1.69 GAA. Uh, this team as well, other statistics, they've only lost one time when getting on the board first. And when they've led after periods one and two respectively, they're seven and zero and 10 and zero. And when they're tied, they're four and three and two and one. So uh, if you don't get on this uh, Huskies team early, and we talked about the success that Ohio State had in the middle frame, they get four goals in the span of 10 minutes. And that was the difference maker on Saturday. Yep. This team is good. You know, you look at, uh, 43 goals for 24 goals against uh, the margin has closed significantly in the middle period now 12 10 for the Huskies but 15 9 in the first St. Cloud has the slight edge and then 16 5 in the third period they're taking care of business as games continue to evolve um, but they're also their starts have also been good they're a good hockey team right now the middle period seems to be where they swoon a little bit um, you know, the period of the long change. So something to kind of keep an eye on there. They're out shooting their opponents by 75 uh, positive in the aggregate uh, power play of just under 22% and a PK of just over 86%, both very serviceable numbers. Uh, as uh, that all culminates to a 12 and five record seven and four in WCHA play uh, and a 706 pairwise points percentage. Um, and they've only lost uh Twice at home, three times on the road, uh, five wins respectively in each location, and then uh, two and zero oh in their neutral site uh, tournament games for over the course of the icebreaker tournament. So, 
Nick, I, you know, good building blocks. I think maybe Saturday leaves a little bit to be desired just because the, that game kind of got away w- uh, from you in the span of about 10 minutes, but you'll take being 500 against Ohio state. I think if anything, I guess my final sounding board before we go over to the men, Nick is you mentioned, let's see if they can get a game that it will at least go to overtime right now. It's okay. They could maybe take care of their opponent in, in two games if they play well. Like they, It's not a question of can they get lucky and win a hockey game. It's how do they control the pace? How will they do this playoff season? You know, they need to take care of business in the second half, but heading into the final week of the first half of the season, calendar year of 2023, certainly some, some exciting things coming from this Huskies group on the women's side. Certainly is. Uh, and we we talked about how with the talent that they brought in, that this team may have a different look to it. We've seen that this team is scoring. They're scoring a lot more. Um, are they in that upper echelon? No, not quite. Um, but they're definitely scoring at a pace that we have not seen in this program for a very long time. Um, the way that they create chances, the way that, you know, we watch this team play, you know, coming into the zone with layers, you know, the defensemen are active and, and involved in either the rush plays or certainly in the cycle play in the offensive zone. And it's encouraged and probably from my Dulce standards, probably a requisite that you have to contribute offensively from the defensive position, right? Um, all those things, when you combine what we've seen before, gives me a lot of hope and promise for this Husky squad to be able to the um, this or the rest of this season, and more so. You know, can they a hold onto a home ice position? How fun would it be yeah. to where it, you know mid February, I believe, um, where the WCHA playoffs is a home, you know, thing. And uh, granted, it'd be better if they also could win a series. Yeah. But how fun would it be for and how good of a statement for this program for Idolski in just under two years to take a team that what combined how many wins? Not not many for the first last four or five years. Well, I mean, think about it. If you take what's going to end up being this season and the previous season, Nick, if you put both of those together, the, the win counts that probably surpasses the last five or six years previous combined. Yeah. And, you know, to me, though, it's it's still when when I go back to my statement about Adolski and the exclamation point, like, hey, we're here. Meaning the St. Clos State women's hockey is a team that is competitive, that is going to attract hopefully some more local, maybe higher end talent. And if not that, for sure, with what he already has done with the transfer portal, I think he's going to be able to utilize that even more, maybe some more high-end talent coming his way as well. So um, this is this is very exciting for this squad, and I would love to see the Herbrooks National Hockey Center um, with this squad with a home WCHA playoff-type series. Um, and God forbid if they were able to pull one off, how awesome that would be. And, and there's a lot of things they're doing well. There's certainly things like the second periods that they're going to have to try to figure out to you know, maybe better puck management in those situations, maybe is the better term for it. But if they can make some adjustments here and there and then just continue to play the Ryan Idolski way, this team is looking very, very good right now. And it's been a joy to watch so far. Yeah. And of course, you know, the holiday break coming up, it'd be really nice to have Brian on, uh, maybe on the show yeah. this upcoming, you know, of course, because the women's team off next week and then they'll be off until essentially the start of January. Maybe we can do something fun with that. Maybe we'll have to work yeah. on it. So it'll be a lot of fun. I think he is, uh, 
uh, one of the few, I guess, in staffing that is not a Huskies Warming House podcast guest. That's also something That's that true. I think we, we need yep. to change that pretty quickly. But uh, nonetheless, uh, a team in which we've had a guest on plenty. That's Brett Larson, St. Cloud State Huskies on the men's side. Uh, let's kind of get back into what happened in the past couple of weeks. Um, national score-wise, we're probably not going to get into a lot there because it's two weeks to recap and a lot of holiday games. But uh, some really interesting scores that I think are important to uh, you know, pay attention to the, the big kind of takeaway here is everybody's beaten up on everybody. That's just kind of yes. what it comes down to. I mean, the big tens beaten up on each other. Uh, Hockey East is having its own thing. The ECAC is slightly down this year, but they're still giving some interesting games. The NCHC, we've talked about that and interconference matchups have been anybody's guess. We've had wild, wild finishes all the way across here. Um, but as far as NCHC conference play, Nick, uh, again, enough here to, to keep you interested, <laughs> I think, is probably the easy way to put that. Um, like we mentioned, uh, the game that we recap previously to the previously, um, Omaha did win that rescheduled game 4-3 against Denver uh, coming out of Sunday, November 19th. That vaulted us into the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. On Friday, Western Michigan beat St. Lawrence, and they did so again on Saturday. Miami lost in overtime to Mercyhurst, kind of a tough showing for them. Yeah. Um, but they did redeem themselves on Sunday the 26th. 2-0 was the final for them. Uh, North Dakota winning in overtime against Bemidji State. You know what, Nick? And it's interesting. And then they win 5 nothing the second night. Yeah. This Bemidji State team is not a team to be counted out either. I think they're going to be kind of a feisty little team in the CCHA in terms of their playoff picture. They're, they're, not a, they're not an overly strong hockey team, but they've always played the same way, that blue-collar, gritty, slightly defensive style, and it can frustrate teams at times. We saw that a couple years oh, ago. For, this year, I'll tell you that much. That's not a team that's playing defense. <laughs> I'll say well, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, it's, you know, they're a team that they've given a couple of groups fits this season. They did it a couple of years ago against Wisconsin, and the NCAAs, but you know, North Dakota, not a bad hockey team. So, I mean, certainly a decent little showing for them. No. And, and it's, it's, it's weird because it's by the offense. Remember they were down five, yeah. two against Minnesota state a couple, what now three weeks ago or so. And they came back and won seven, six or something like that. Like, yeah, Midgey's a very curious case. And I would say they're going to be more of a dangerous team if they do win the CCHA, which at this point, who the hell knows what's going on with that conference? <laughs> uh, but if they are the team that is, I think the Midget State is the most dangerous sort of wild card team in a one game format because of that showing against North Dakota. When we, when we walked through on the uh, MNCAA podcast, um, which you have not been on for a while. I'm just kidding. Sorry. I know you're busy. Uh, but what we, we've talked about is the Midgies Fridays have been really good. Saturdays have been literally the you know the opposite side of the seesaw. They've been horrendous. So yeah. it's like what like a first of all why you know it's it's interesting how Bemidji can have such a good show and good game plan, and then somehow it's like the coaches make an adjustment or they don't. One of the happens, and then it's like. Okay, nothing's working on the second night. So it's an interesting team um, in the very interesting conference, to say it that least. Uh, when St. Thomas is arguably the more well-rounded team in that conference, and I'm actually going to put my my staple in the paper right now, that St. Thomas right now is probably the, the best team in that conference right yeah. now. Um, Which is awesome. It is awesome. Um, a little bit unexpected, but that's more... It's not a joust against St. Thomas. It's more of a joust on 
essentially the rest of the conference. Like, what the hell is going on, honestly? Yep. Um, but to your point, um, Bemidji State does have – I still feel like they play a heavier style. But it's not like the heavy – you know, yes, it's the two one two four check yet, but they're not trapping as much. Um, they're not, shall we say, just kind of playing what the football gods would say is prevent defense. Sure, there's still some neutral zone one, two, two, that and this, but it's more so they're getting up the ice. They have scoring ability. Um, it's more of the defense in those sort of like situational type matters isn't as strong as it used to be just because I don't know. It's just it's a different team this year. Um, but in that sense, I do think it gives them a little bit of a different look. I'm not sure if it's better or worse just yet, um, but it's not the same defensively stout. In fact, their goaltending numbers are abhorrent. Their penalty yeah. goal is the worst. In fact, I think it's hovering around 62 to 63%. It's really bad. So it's for whatever reason, a Tom Saratori led squad, which is known to be stingy is not so stingy. If anything, it's like, Whoa, you can score now. Um, <laughs> Cause they're winning games like seven, six, six, five, five, you know, four, three. It's not the, Bemidji type historical way. You know who you know who they honestly remind of is actually Duluth. Their transition right now from from where they've been a strong defensive team and suddenly and goaltending has generally been okay, or if you're in Duluth case, unbelievable. Um to to Bemidji, where it's like, oh oh, okay. You want to talk about lack of defense, Nick? Uh Denver and Yale matched up that previous weekend. 14-0 was the aggregate score for the Pioneers. Whoops. Um Omaha 2-1 against Augustana the first night and then 5-2 the second night. That Augustana team, they're a good hockey team. Uh, they they're, good. Yes. they're a fun watch. Of course, the Huskies did play Michigan this weekend. We'll get to that in just a few moments. Off December 1st and 2nd, so let's recap what happened as far as NCHD play. So non-conference action, 3-1 and 5-1 against Lindenwood. The Western Michigan Broncos get a victory. And then also Arizona State and CC matching up. It was uh, an overtime finish uh, for Arizona State and CC the first night. And then 2-0 Sun Devils in night number two. Good little showing from the Tigers, all things considered. As far as conference play was concerned, we had two matchups. Duluth beats Omaha the first night, 4-2 before a 1-0. Yeah, before a one nothing finish for the Mavs in overtime. That one was in Duluth um, on Saturday. So, uh, like you said, uh, kind of an interesting little series there. 7-5 was the score for North Dakota over Denver the first night. 3-2 Pios in overtime in Denver in night number two. So, they're kind of trading blows back and forth. Um, there is only one team in the NCHC that has been yet to be beaten in conference play heading into the weekend. Let's recap their games. Uh, The weekend before, Michigan gets a victory 2-0 against our Huskies on Friday, November 24th. A crowd of basically 4,000 here for this one. Uh, 30-27 Huskies were the shot margins. They were outshot 10-8 in the first, but then 12-7 for St. Cloud in the middle frame and 10-10 aside for the three-period totals. Um, Both teams failing to register a goal on the power play 0 for 5 for Michigan St. Cloud 0 for 3 on the man advantage and pretty poor in the faceoff dot, unfortunately Mm -hmm. 22 for uh, 53 uh, for these Huskies. But, you know, where it came down to was uh, third period scoring 640 mark and 1630 TJ Hughes uh, gets on the board and gets the game winner for 
the Michigan Wolverines, Nick, and unfortunate for Dominic Bassey, who stops 25 of 27. Uh, this was a hockey game where, you know, it was certainly a great game. Uh, St. Cloud, unfortunately, just ends up with the goose egg on the board and falls to eight and five after that Friday night. You know, <clears throat> this is going to sound like a broken record, but <clears throat> um, St. Cloud had an opportunity to win on Friday. Oh, yeah. And at the end of it, what, you know, you hear this all, all a lot from coaches, right? Is that we played 57 out of 60 minutes, but that 50, but that three minute stretch that we did play poorly is what cost us the game. This is exactly what happened on Friday. I watched a lot of that game, in fact, um, since I was gone away from Minnesota for a little bit. But what I'll tell you is, you know, when we talk about when you're pinning your own zone, right? And sometimes you have to have an awareness as a hockey team, right? And I get it. You don't want to ice the puck necessarily, uh, but you want to get the puck out. And sometimes, you know, if the pass is there, if the lane is there, great. Um, but if you're already in a 90 second shift, maybe it's already a minute 45, close to two minutes. You're tired. You're mentally tired, right? Um, sometimes mistakes then compound, right? What led to Michigan breaking the ice was the Huskies being pinned in their own zone, for about 90 seconds to two minutes, it was turnover after turnover after turnover, failed clear after failed clear. And let's just put it this way. Michigan has a lot of talent that will make you pay for it. And it was disappointing because I really felt like before that little stretch, and I think it was what, not eight or nine minutes into the third, it was close to the midway point. Yep. Um, they were going back and forth and you could see the Huskies were upbeat. They were skating fast. They were moving the puck north. Uh, they were both teams trading chances uh, back and forth. The, the ice was wide open, put it that way. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, um, you get one fail clear. Maybe it's, I forget exactly the sequence of events to be specific, but it was, you know, a, a failed clearing attempt. It was uh, a, a good pinch coming to the wall from Michigan to hold things in. And then you could just see the Huskies almost panic a little bit. And, you know, it's frustrating because, those are the types of things that are to me going to be the biggest sort of, you know, suppressants, glass ceilings for this squad um, against maybe these more high flying skill teams. Remind you, we have not seen North Dakota yet. Um, and that's going to be a very similar type, you know, skill set they're going to go up against. Yeah. So good news, bad news. You know, they, they, it's only a two nothing game. And, and and really was a one goal game. That second goal was really? an unfortunate yeah. dagger because the Huskies probably, like you said, deserve to at least maybe tie that game and send it to overtime, which the second night, which we'll get to, they did that and probably didn't deserve to. Um, right. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Like it's there's it's it's good that this is happening against a non-conference opponent. Um, and I like playing Michigan, too, because, again, they're a quick strike offense. You, this is a very similar uh, type strategy that Brad Barry uses with, again, the aforementioned fighting Hawks and um, Denver, not quite maybe as, you know, fast stretch the ice type, you know, breakout slash offensive go north. But, you know, this is that quick transition. If this one Michigan thing that do really well is holy hell. If it, if you turn the puck over, they will get an offensive chance really, really quick. They're very good about taking advantage of that. Um, so if anything, it, it lets you go back on film and say, okay, in these situations, right, end of the game, game management type stuff, right? It's not always about making the best play. Sometimes it's about understanding the situation, right? We've already failed to clear the puck a couple of times. Our breakoff passes, they're either, you know, stepping in into them or we're just, you know, being a little bit lazy. No, 
whether it's you float it high in the air, whether you get it off the glass and out, even if that means it costs you an icing, okay, at least, you know, blows the whistle. You get at least maybe 10 to 15 seconds to reset. And sometimes it's not just about resetting you, but also slowing them down a little bit. And sometimes I think there is just some game, you know, maybe some game management, you know, uh, or what, what were we used to say in the press box? Um, you know, a little bit of, um, uh, what do you call it? I don't know. My brain's dead. I, so. I, w- I, w- I would say just like uh, not even puck management, but just kind of like, you know, uh, kind of managing like pace of play a little bit in terms of in terms of like, um, you know, like are your zone exits clean? Are you making sure that you're hitting first passes? Are you getting pucks out of the zone? Are you transitioning appropriately? Because if you're if you're turning pucks over on your half of center ice, when you're trying to transition flow up the ice, and your turnovers are against the grain, especially against a team like Michigan. That's where you're going to pay a little bit, uh, you know. And, and things slightly favored Michigan, unfortunately, on that Friday night. That Saturday game was a little bit different, Nick. I think if you look statistically at just the overlying box score, you would have been surprised that the Wolverines get out to that three nothing lead. Four thousand in attendance for that one. The Huskies outshoot Michigan thirty nine thirty. I mean twelve five in the first. Yes, you're down to nothing. That uh, goal less than two minutes in, and then less than a minute left in the period. Suddenly you're down by two. Fourteen uh, thirteen Wolverines in the second period for shots and on the power play. Michigan scores a little over halfway through the period. Um, and how about Vieti Mietnin kind of carrying things on his back from his brother Werner? Yeah. His 10th of the season, shorthanded two minutes later, I think gave the Huskies a little bit of life to just kind of feel like, okay, we're okay. We're in a good spot. They outshoot Michigan 13-8 in period number three. And they end up getting a power play goal a minute in. Tyler Kupka, his force from Tyson Gross and Adam Ingram, you know, and and they made it a dogfight, you know, pun intended. And finally, they break through with the extra attacker. Nine seconds left in the hockey game. Kupka, his fourth and fifth of the season, he gets the equalizer. Zach Okabe and Tyson Gross telling assist. Tyson Gross, bit of a coming out party in this one. His first multi-point game as a Husky. Against all odds, this team comes back from 3-0 down. They end up pushing things to a shootout, and it was no mistake. Uh, Miatnin and Kupka both with uh, the shootout goals. Uh, some pretty moves, um, and Dominic Bassey was perfect in the extra frame, uh, so to speak. In overtime, Michigan had the 3-1 edge in shots, but both theme, most teams, uh, a goal on the power play across seven total tries with both teams. Uh, the Huskies, 39 wins, 46 faceoff losses. A lot of whistles in this one. It was very tightly contested back and forth. Um, you know, Dominic Bassey, you can't complain, stopping 27 of 30 that he saw. But, uh, Nick, this was a game where you felt like St. Cloud got a little bit rewarded for maybe missing out on the party on Friday night. Statistically much better in this second night. Uh, you, you never want to go down 3 nothing because statistics say you're not going to be in a good spot. But everything else underlying was not exactly terrible for this team. And you know what? Gut check time. They found a way. I think if you go back two months to the the first you know four weeks of the regular season or non-conference, whatever you want to call it, this team would not have done this. This team would not have come back in this hockey no. game. They did it. This Michigan team is a, is a good team. Granted, they're kind of the Big Ten is the same as the NCHC teams are kind of beaten up on each other. It was a great test. Huskies get a week off after that to kind of regroup. But what an exciting hockey game if you attended the Herbrooks National Hockey Center across Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, and, and 
you know, Michigan for as much, you know, and rightfully deserved accolades that they get for their offense. Defensively, they're sort of hit and miss with their defense. Um, you know, they're not, shall I say, the most locked tight defensive group uh, just because of the way that they play. Again, all five guys um, will be involved in the offense. Um, their defense love to carry the puck. They can skate like a bat out of hell too. all, all of their players, both uh, forwards and D, um, which does, I think, at times leave them a bit of exposed. But to your point, right, this is a very good hockey team. In fact, it's a, it's a top 10 team, right? Um, if I recall, or top 15, one of the two. Um, certainly one of the, the better teams in college hockey. Uh, and you're down three zip. Now, to your point, right, this team, beginning part of the season, would have been DOA, would have been dead on arrival, right, if you're down 3 nothing. Um, if there's one thing about Brett Larson's coached squads, uh, if there's one thing that he preaches is that it's it's not over and it's if there's one thing, if you go down early, you got plenty of time to get your butt back in the game, right? Um, and they found a way, right? They, you get a spark. Uh, and again, Brian, uh, not Brian, but uh, Brett Larson, my gosh, yeah, I'm showing how tired I am. Um, his shorthanded aggressiveness at times where he's, you know, yep. shows you taking the shackles off, you know, to be aggressive in situations you're down. Um, it pays dividends here, right? And sometimes, you know, no one, as, former former players ourselves it's sometimes and you know, you'll take however it goes in but sometimes when you feel like you're playing the right way and whether the puck you're not just getting a, a bounce maybe the a goaltender is just making the saves you're, you're like there's no way he just made that one you know it, it does wear on your on your confidence and your mentality right and sometimes when you see that puck go in the first time all of a sudden it's like all right the swagger is back the confidence back and, you know, sometimes it just takes that one bounce and then it's like, OK, here we go. Right. And then you can continue yeah. to roll and go from there. I feel like that's exactly what the Huskies did on Saturday. And to your point, you know, to take a, you know, granted, it's a shootout technically an NCAA tie. Um, but to be able to come back from that and to get that shootout win, huge for the program, yeah. especially coming into uh, what's now another bye week. And then now right back to NCHC play. And let's just say the next opponent for the Huskies is going to be a tough one. Yeah, great parody equivalent, too, if you're looking Big Ten NCHC, obviously, as right. well. As you mentioned, the Huskies moving to 14 in the pairwise as far as the polls. They entered the weekend at 17. Of course, this is coming after their games against Michigan. The, the Huskies were off this past week. Uh, we mentioned improving to 8-5-1 and one overall. They're 6-0 and oh in conference play. Um, their first overtime victory, quote unquote, even though, like you said, officially a tie scoring first continues to be a premium for both Huskies teams, five and two in one goal contest. Now for this men's squad, starting to really pick things up. I believe they were one and two or zero oh and two to start the season. So you, you talk about, you talk about the progression that they've had. Um, they are plus six in terms of goal differential. Um, they have actually uh, outshot their opponents somewhat heavily. It's like 75 or 80, somewhere around there uh, would be the quick mental math. And again, scoring first or at least being tied, giving them a chance heading into period number two, respectively. Vieti Mietnin paces the group 14 points in the season, 10 goals for him, the first player to uh, get even close to that double-digit mark. The next one is Joey Molinar with seven. Adam Ingram, 12 points. You talked about how he had to have a breakout sophomore year. He certainly has. Dylan Anhorn, same point. Tally and Kyler Kupka with 11 on the season. Uh, this team, as you mentioned, a, a tough test. They head to Baxter Arena uh, this upcoming weekend against the Omaha Mavs. Um, 
and trying to take care of business before they too are off for a couple of weeks, one week less than the women's team. They'll have a home and home uh, visiting Bemidji State on Friday the 29th. And then on the Sunday the 31st, they're back at home against the Beavers before week off and then conference play resumes. So yeah, last NCHC action, last quote unquote first half before the holidays. Um, they play Omaha, who has been a stingy team. It's given a lot of groups fits here, Nick. Um, potential potential movement if you're looking at uh, NCHC standings here. This Omaha team is actually on the outside looking in as far as uh, the playoff seedings. They're currently in fifth right now. They've got seven points. They're one point ahead of CC, who has six. Uh, Duluth at four points in the seventh spot. Who would have predicted that? Um, and, oh, we did. <laughs> and, and about the only thing we've gotten right so far, Miami, of course, yeah, has yet has yet to garner a point. Western Michigan occupies the last home spot at 10 points in fourth. Denver right ahead of them at 11. That Pios team has been a little bit shaky up and down to start the season. Uh, Omaha, like I said, is a team that we kind of felt like um, – would maybe be right up there with Western Michigan and then, uh, well, North Dakota. Okay. Um, five yeah. and five and one actually saving the Huskies from having a team deadlock with them. Omaha does get that lone victory in overtime against the fighting Hawks. They're at 16 points. The Huskies remain unbeaten 18 points across six total contests. Will that change or will they enter the holiday break yet to lose in conference play? Nick, this, uh, this Omaha team has always been a challenge. It has. And, uh, you know, we, it's, it's, it's one thing to hold your hat to beat North Dakota. Number one, that is not an easy team to beat. And, um, and they've done it historically. They have that team. Yeah. They have, they, the Omaha just has a way to suffocate skilled teams. Um, again, you know, you talk about teams that we, that we've lamented in the past about blue collar style and, you know, that really make you earn every inch of ice. That is Omaha to a T. Um, and, the one thing that they counter with is that, yeah, they can, you know, they're, they're almost like the rich man's version of Bemidji where, you know, they kind of, you know, ground and pound it, but they also have the skill and the speed to create offense and to capitalize on that. Um, what was it? Uh, no, like, a, was it a year or two ago where it was in Omaha where uh, the Huskies, you know, needed a, a couple of wins and I think they got either swept or they, they had a bunch of duds. It was like yeah, five, was, two or something like that. Omaha, yeah. was, and then and, and St. Cloud did not look good at all in those games. Uh, Omaha really took control from essentially the opening puck drop uh, in both of those games. And it was just, it was a killer uh, for the Huskies in terms of, I think trying to get into, I believe a home ice position for the NCAT. If I remember the story, yeah, correctly. I think it was, yeah, two years ago and they ended up losing to Quinnipiac that's in, right. the, yep. in the opening round of the NCAAs. Yeah. That sounds they, right. They, they, they kind of limped into the playoffs basically. That's right. Um, and that's where Hrenik, yeah, actually was starting to get, uh, he was getting injured. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, at, at the end of it, um, Omaha, they can do it, right? Um, I think one of the surprises that has caught our eyes, at least from Omaha this year, is, you know, they're a team that when you, when we talk about their blue collar style, you know, aka this and that, um, I thought they would score more, honestly. Yeah. And they, they haven't. Um, here's the funny part, though. They score more than the Huskies. Yeah. Well, and... Score. And they're there. You talked about Bemidji State, for example, they're kind of, you know, acclimating to that MO again, where it seemed like in years past their games were tight scoring, but it was five, four, four, three. Now they're starting to 
have a little bit of a Midgey State former CC Tigers in them where it's like their games are 3-2, 2-1, 3-1. little bit more low scoring if they want to have a chance to win. Um, or how about one nothing in overtime against a, a top five team in the country right now? Right. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when, first of all, you can hold North Dakota off the board at all. That's, that's no easy feat to, to say with all the talent they have up front. Um, but I do feel like for St. Cloud, right, especially a team that loves to carry the puck in the zone with possession, um, I feel like that at times got them in trouble against Michigan, where Michigan was clearly stacking at the blue line. Um, and it was clear that, you know, they needed to hit the line with speed, soft little chip, or make sure you rim it around and be on your horse and make sure you get there first, or at least, you know, contest, you know, in a puck battle for to get, to get it back. Um, Omaha is going to kind of do the same thing right there. They're very much a stand up with the blue line force the, the team coming at you to sort of give it up and have to get it back. And for St. Cloud, um, I think that is going to have to embrace the physical battle. I think that's the big thing on both ends of the ice. It's going to be a ground and pound type game. Um, if they can embrace that now, granted, there are guys on the Huskies like a grant of Sean. Oh, geez. The last name is Sean. That isn't a little bit feisty. You would have thought. Uh, <laughs> um, I love it, though, because, you know, it's it's that type of game they're going to have to play. Now, I'm not saying change how you play completely because that's not St. Cloud hockey, but understand you're going to do be prepared for more body contact um, and to know that, you know, this game is really going to be one in the trenches along the boards in front of the net. Yep. It's going to be ugly goals. There's going to be greasy goals. Um, and if they want it to be an open freewheeling style of game, it's not going to go well for St. Cloud. It's going to be a tough test. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting test as well, too. The fact that I just said North Dakota was also a top five team in the country made me cringe in so many different ways. But nonetheless, this Omaha squad is coming off a victory against them, the only team to beat them in conference play so far this season. It took overtime to do it. Let's see if the Huskies can take care of business against the Mavs in regulation. Men's team, of course, uh, Friday, Saturday playing against these Mavericks to cap off the first half of their season. Women's team in action on uh, Tuesday the fifth against the Gophers at home before hosting Minnesota Duluth. Three really great games on the women's side upcoming over the course of the weekend, Nick. So get out to the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. You'll be in attendance for the women's games. Should yep. be some fun things to kind of recap. And then who knows? We'll try to figure out some plans. We'll be recapping scores. But I I feel like Brian Idolski would be hopefully on the docket. I don't know. Uh, Brett Larson, depending on his schedule, it's kind of hit or miss that you'd like to give the man a little bit of <laughs> Christmas time off. I yeah. feel like I feel like it's always hard to bug him around Christmas this time and he's been very good with right. us it's been no issue but i mean the guy gets like two off days <laughs> during, during the, during the, the whole season yeah yeah it's been you know and i think that's the part that people forget too like you know it just just because the team's a holiday break no they're out recruiting you know this is a mm-hmm. huge recruiting time is is the is the holiday break yeah um, where you know the head coach really isn't getting you know a touch you know, this is a time where he is really starting to look at, you know, names that they do want to go after. These are huge meeting times and obviously reviewing film because every other team is doing the same thing, right? You're trying to look and build for the future. You're also looking at your current season, trying to figure, okay, what are we doing well? What do we want to improve on? Um, so it, it never ends. Um, and even then, we, we've talked to Brett before, right? When um, he was on our show, was it May? Of this last year, I believe. Yeah, maybe maybe closer to the middle of the summer, but yeah, yeah. Um, and essentially, since you know the end of the season, 
again, out recruiting, out doing this. And then there's uh, college hockey coaches meetings that are done in Naples. That's a tough place to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, Darn. Uh, then, I know. Right. Uh, and then constant travel. I think he gets what? Maybe a couple of weeks where he can really relax and, and sort of rest. But beyond that, I mean, there's not a whole lot of downtime for these coaches. Does, so anytime that they can get one there, they take advantage. Of I it. mean, does Brett Larson strike you as the type of guy that does relax in general anyway? Although, unless if there's a golf course nearby, maybe you might get them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, it, it's kind of funny because uh, I would be very curious to hear what his take would be on the season. Because, you know, I think he was a little more subdued knowing what he had in his group than we were opening up the year. Um you know, but I feel like he probably is maybe now in the same spot of Brian Idelski, where it's like they're okay with how things are going, but they feel like they could pull even more. I, the, the phrase that I think I would always um, maybe exemplify for this year for both squads right now is never satisfied, right? I think there's right. so much more that you can pull from each of these squads. I think both of the coaches would attest to it. And who knows? Maybe we'll work on trying to get one or both of them on the show. But as we mentioned, uh, Gophers, Duluth, for the women's side to cap off the first half of the season. And then the men, of course, uh, play uh, a very difficult test in Omaha to round off their first half of the season. They'll have Bemidji State coming out of the holiday break. Women will have a little bit longer to wait uh, into the month of January. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the Den. One-timer coming, they score! She scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.